get the cat get the camera down to the cat's level see it from their point of view so track behind the cat just behind or from the side or from the front join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts learn from them listen to their war stories celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey Welcome to the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. We're diving into the wonderful world of videography of our cats today. But before we do, we would love to say a big thank you to our wonderful Cat Explorer producers who have helped make this season possible, particularly our co-producers, Millie and Kelvin, Barbara Maverick, Ziggy and Charlie, Mac, Luna Misty Blue, Adami and Roxy the Kitty. Thank you so much. If you would like to support Cat Explorer, you can join the Cat Explorer Press Squad or the Cat Explorer Producers. There's a link for that in your short notes, which you can get to by clicking the episode description on your podcasting app. Today's episode is one that we have been trying to reorganize since Season 2 of the Cat Explorer Podcast, back in early 2019. Back in Season 1, we loved hearing from Keith from Furry Munchkin's Pet Photography about how to improve our photography of cats. Straight away, we started looking for a videographer to help us learn about taking videos of our cats. We kept searching, reaching out to people. Fast forward more than a year and a half later, and we realized the answer was staring us in the face. Lele and Kevin from Superkit. Yes, Superkit, the cat harness and collar brand. Did you know that Lele and Kevin also have a background in videography too? So today, we're super excited to be finally recording this episode. It's been two years in the making. Welcome to the podcast, Lily and Kevin. Hi there. Thanks for having us. So our community knows both of you as the people behind Superkit, but like so many of us, you had a different life before that. Do you mind taking us through your videography experience and maybe share the coolest videography job that you guys have been on? Um, yeah, I before doing Superkit, I was a cameraman for TV and documentaries for about 20 years. Um, so... It's a complete uh, other career, um, and it's mainly documentaries that I used to film. So science and um, uh, people stories, documentaries around the world. Um, and um, yeah, Lady did the same sort of thing, but yes. in a slightly different capacity. My stories will never match up to Kevin's. He had like the, the best filming. I've forgotten all my stories. <laughs> yeah. I forgotten most of them I've done loads they were always interesting almost everything I filmed was interesting uh I think that's part of the job you know because you it's always something new and something different um so it's endlessly interesting but um but Layla used to do a lot of the the sort of the pre the pre-filming um production in yeah. tv Kevin's too modest to tell you this but he has filmed in like everyone's bucket list locations so he's been to the south pole he's actually been in volcanoes he's filmed in zero gravity there's like there's there's no story that can compare to kev's story they're always so. <laughs> they're always crazy locations and crazy places but it those aren't always the best stories or the best memories anyway because a lot of them are just really difficult to get to and they look amazing but they're usually incredibly difficult to work in um so Although although they sound great on paper, you go, yeah, yeah, the South Pole. When you actually get there and you have to film, it's it's almost impossible. So um, they're not always the nicest memories, um, but it's the, often it's the people that you meet and the very ordinary 
stories uh, that are the most amazing. And we were talking about it earlier, and I was saying I've forgotten a lot of the big locations, but I remember things like filming a birth in Africa that we that we did. Uh, it was quite a remote part of Africa, and um, filming a birth at sort of one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and we drove through the bush to get there, and and the birth happened with torchlight with people holding torches in their mouth while they're while they're you know doing the whole whole birthing and it was that was quite amazing I mean that was that's probably one of the most amazing things that I've done um but yeah quite simple quite all every day for, for a lot of people but for me it was quite cool to see and quite quite privileged to be there so yeah I think one of my career highlights was on a shoot with Kev and we were in Madagascar and we split into two units and um Kev went off with the A unit to go and I think we were off a tree or something. We were climbing trees, yeah. Um, but I stayed behind with the B unit and uh, we set up like a little sort of remote light box studio in the middle of the, um, uh, this is a, a, like a proper person who knows things will tell me this is wrong. I don't know if it's jungle or rainforest, <laughs> a place with loads of trees. And um, the naturalists brought all of the like small beasties out of the woods to our studio and so there were like chameleons and like little shrew things leaves and, that move yeah you know, things like just incredible Lizards I, <laughs> and, and it was just kind of magical just seeing all these things emerge and like big stick insects and like the children were helping and it was just like you know you look at <laughs> some forest and it looks empty and then suddenly you just see all these like amazing creatures come out and then go back in it was kind of magical yeah it's too many to film I came back and there was literally like a long line of people holding interesting things from the forest <laughs> waiting to be filmed it was like antiques roadshow or something you know but for weird bugs <laughs> and um <laughs> they go quick as you can Christian, get the next one get the next one and you find another amazing thing you go look a rock that moves right yeah. so yeah it's very cool but Kev's the expert on the like the filming, filming, because then after that, I sort of changed tack in TV and I became um, a producer and then what's called a, like a development producer. So I came up with ideas for new shows. Um, yeah, and I did did lots of kind of very sombre, august things. But I also um, was involved in a team that um, made a show for Sky called Dogs Might Fly, which was all about the idea that there were a lot of um, dogs languishing in rescue centres in Britain and of course around the world who were just not being rehomed that they were like the last one that was always kind of like never never found their forever home and so we um, took some of those dogs teamed them up with like the world's best animal trainers um, and showed their amazing capabilities and then eventually the like the star dog um, flew a plane which was kind of cool and my job was convincing our civil aviation authority that this is like a definitely a good idea and not totally insane so yeah it's been quite a varied tv career wow what a career in videography <laughs> and tv and yeah. some incredible places and stories yeah and there's only i think there's only so long you can do it for until until like lady said it's knackering so after a while you kind of it, it wears you down it's really it, it, like there's that phrase you're bored you know no, well, I can't really swear but you know you're bored of interesting things and it becomes quite overstimulating uh so it's quite nice to do something different something completely different I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying what we're doing now as much as I enjoyed the filming tell us about this uh obviously you're referring to super kit and Lily sort of hinted about her passion with animals when she started talking about the dogs in the show so where did that come from? 
Oh, well, I've always been cat mad. Um, and actually, when I worked for the company that made the Dogs Might Fly, they were like an animal, almost like a domestic animal specialist, natural history producer. So they made like the secret life of cats and things like that. So that had always been in my world. Um, but Super Kit came out of like a total, it was never the plan. Um, it was when we got Lola mm. and because she's like a little scamp, um, she she ran away. Lola's. Lola's your Bengal cat. Yes, That's right. sorry. <laughs> we, we've humanized her so much. It's like, yeah, Lola. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got Lola, who is our youngest Bengal. And when she was like one, she went missing and we couldn't find her. And it was, oh, it was just heartbreaking. And the mm. worst bit about it was that I had been trying to put a collar on her for ages and she would just take them off. And so, like a collar and ID tag. And so, in the end, I just gave up. I was like, oh, I guess collars aren't really a thing. We just cat. thought it was one of those things that some cats will wear collars and some won't, and she yeah. won't, so give in. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So we just sort of went with it. So when she went missing, she wasn't wearing a collar, and that was just the worst feeling. Like, not only is she gone, but there's no way for anyone to know without her, like, something, I mean, without her going to a vet, i.e., kind of being run over and ending up in like critical care and someone scanning her microchip there was no way for anyone to know that she was loved that we were missing her I mean we put up missing posters everywhere but we were pretty desperate yeah so and, we were distraught and guilt-ridden yeah which is a double oh. whammy so we felt absolutely rotten yeah. Uh, yeah we were doing a lot of walking around the streets trying to find her yeah so we'd like go out at 5am every morning because we live by a really big road um so we'd go out really early every morning when the road was the quietest, like calling her name, hoping we'd hear her. Um, anyway, three days passed and uh, I was getting just kind of increasingly desperate. So I went on Twitter. I basically have a, a personal Twitter account that I only ever seem to complain or look for cats on. Mm. Um, so it was like, I feel like I should space it out with some extra content. But um, but yeah, so I, I went on Twitter and I tweeted all of our local newspapers. And I was like, can you retweet my missing post and my cat's gone? And they did. And then we got a message from somebody Oh, actually, I should say that in the intervening three days, we had a, a million and one false sightings. So we were driving around our local area almost constantly expecting to find her. And then when we get there, there would be just like some other Bengal cat. So went on Twitter. We got a message from this guy who was like, I think I saw your cat. And I was like, by this time, I was like, yeah, you probably didn't. But we'll go around anyway. Um, and he was like, yeah, my, my son wondered if we could adopt it. That's why I remember it like quite vividly. So we went round, we went to his garden, we started shaking Lola's food and it was just like the most insane moment. <laughs> we just heard, meow. That is very dog. distant. Yeah. It, it was like one of those cartoons, you hear this little distant noise and it kept getting closer and closer and it was clattering and banging and it was like this destructive vaulting. noise coming towards us across the gardens. She's vaulting each garden fence because it's like a terraced row of houses. With these like thin wooden fences And the meows were getting between. louder and then she would go like, Scrabbling oh, fair donk. fair donk. And then eventually her little face popped up on the, like, the fence next to us. And then she did like a flying squirrel jump into Kev's arms and it was like if when I tell people this everyone's like oh yeah yeah sure yeah the Disney version the guy who owned the house was like whirling up (laughs) (laughs) and we were just like beside ourselves in fact Facebook reminded me it was the four-year anniversary of that happening yesterday so um 
it was just this really emotional moment. And when we got her back, I was like, I'm never going through that ever again. We were um, like, she is wearing a collar. That's it. We're yeah. sort of on a mission to get a collar onto her. Especially when we had all those false sightings, we were like, we just can't expect people to look at a missing... Like, imagine if all those 10 people who'd looked at ben, found Bengal cats that looked like ours, that she'd gone and taken them to the vets to get their microchip scanned. There'd be like yeah. eight displaced Bengal cats in our local area. I mean, it just it just re- mm. really rammed home the sort of importance of ID tags for me. And also that the guy's son said, you know, can we can we feed that cat? Can we look mm. after that cat? And quite reasonably, why wouldn't you? If you saw a cat and it didn't have a home and it looked, you know, bedraggled and hungry, you'd feed it. And then we would have lost Lola like that. Yeah. You know, nobody would have known that she was owned. And it was just really luck- lucky, weird, that at the same time, because Lola and her other and her sister Lyra who's our older Bengal they were fighting quite a lot at home and like not very settled and I called the vet and sort of got behavioral advice on how we can keep them keep peace in the house and she said probably Lola's because she's still like almost a kitten then she's got lots of like hunting um, energy to expend you should make some DIY toys for her out of scraps of um, ideally leather because it's natural material um, and maybe like you know help her hunt the leather toy and not her sister um, so I had loads of leather around the house so I was like oh she really likes this like leather toy and it smells right to her and she's like, really into it um, why don't I make a collar out of that and hopefully like the natural smell will do do something good and we put it on her and it, it was amazing she just she just know, didn't know it was there because she forgot it was there it stayed on and that was kind of the birth of super kit and we were just like oh this is this is cool we'll let's share it with people mm. um and then it it all grew from there and then harnesses was like a whole that just came from our audience and our community that people asked us for it and and we we made it and then when we made it we were like oh, this is great this unlocks yeah. so much for us <laughs> it wasn't something we were using and um and it sort of opened things up quite a lot. We sort of thought, what's, you know, when you don't use it, you can't see the need for it. And then you get it and you try to go, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was, so, that was a bit of a game changer, that one. Yeah, not just for the business, but yeah, for us personally. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've brought your worlds together now where you've got a videography background and you've got this experience with Lola and exploring and harnesses now, which is what I think is perfect for as a guest, which we alluded to in the introduction where we couldn't realize that you were staring at us <laughs> right in our faces. So I want to talk about videography. And we start with the fact that when we think about taking a video, the point we want to take the video for in most of the time is to capture the cat's personality. We want to make sure, you know, we get all the, you know, the scenery right and so forth. And we think of, and we do, when we do videos, we think about composition, lighting, all that. And in videos, it's a little bit different because they're moving. So in a video, a lot of times they're moving. What do we think about when we make a video of our cats? I suppose the difference is with a photograph, it's that snapshot of time, isn't it? You just got that still. And you have to think of it as a completely, it's a different thing. Just, you know, it's still a picture that with a rectangle around it, you know, it's still a scene with a rectangle around it. But like you say, it's moving. And so it allows you to do lots more um, that you can't do with a photograph, but it also has problems that come with it because it because it's different. It's different to photography. So um, you want to think about capturing 
something that you can't with a photograph. That's when a video is great. What a lot of people, I think, have problems with is when they they treat shooting a video like shooting a photograph. And they think it's just a moving photograph, but it's not. It's it's something that demonstrates um, a behavior or a movement that you can't do. That's when it really works, that you can't do with a photograph. So photographs are great for taking snapshots in time. But if you want to see something that develops and moves, um, then video is your friend, which seems quite obvious. But a lot of people don't see it like that. They just think it's a moving photograph, but it's not. It's a completely different discipline. So you want to think about why a video is better than a photograph in this situation. And so if you want to just get a really beautiful portrait of your cat, you know, a photograph is probably your best medium. But if you want to demonstrate an action or a movement or something in their character that is, is best served by a moving image, then video is your friend. So you kind of got to choose the medium according to what you want to show to your audience. Um, so that's, I mean, it seems pretty basic, but that is, that's essentially it. But now that you say it, it's like, oh, of course, we never really think about it that way. Yeah, no, I don't think, you, I don't think people do. I think people think that video and, pho- and photography is the same. And it, it just seems to, it just shares, it sh- now it shares equipment because you can do the same, you can do it on the same equipment. But it's a it's a completely different uh, different medium, um, and where video really works is where you tell a story or you build some sort of emotion. So it develops. So you start with one thing, you're watching it, you're intrigued. Something happens and it moves you on to something else. So you you've got this progression in a story, um, and that leaves the, the the viewer with an emotion because they've seen something and they've shared something with you. And it started off as one thing and it ended as something else. And there's been a change from beginning to end. And so you feel that with a photograph, it's different. You're seeing a captured moment, um, which is sometimes much more difficult to do. But it's also easier because you only need a split second in time. With a video, you've actually got to fill that content. So to, to avoid it being boring, you have to have something to do. If you just take a still and it's moving, it becomes quite dull because it's never going to be it's not as aesthetically pleasing as a still you, because you, you have to use wider lenses generally. And also the video quality is not as good as a still. And sometimes it's moving a little bit. So it's distracting. So it's not the best thing for shooting portraits. Uh, it just looks like a bad portrait. But if you can show something, if you can demonstrate something and you can take the viewer to go from one place and at the end of it, they feel something else. That's when it really works. That's when you should use video, you know. And if you want to just look at a tree outside that Lola tries to climb all the time, things like that, like the character of climbing a tree and moving. You can't do that with a still as well as you can do with a video. If you get it right, you're with the cat and you've got all those, you know, moving muscles and, you know, the way that they hang on and and you can move the camera around and it, you're totally with the cat. Whereas the still, it's just a, you know, it's a, a moment in time. So okay, that's the difference. You have to approach it with a completely different um, viewpoint, I think. That makes a lot of sense. So most of our community share the videos of their cats on social media and I've experimented with a few different types on video um, types of videos and notice that, for example, the likes of Instagram, sometimes a shorter video is better because the people's attention spans are um, shorter. Um, whereas sometimes if you're on Facebook, a longer video is better. Um, when do you think is the better time or situation for the longer form videos? Like what about should we be using longer form on TikTok? 
or should we be like and when we're shooting the videos should we be thinking about how we're going to use those videos yeah, yeah. I mean I think there's there's obviously technical considerations especially with aspect ratio that is like the, the dimensions of the box so whether it's like tall and thin or wide and short um because like if you're shooting for an Instagram story you're going to want to hold your camera a different way than if you're shooting for YouTube say but I I feel like what you're saying needs to dictate the length like the it's the the worst thing is when you're trying to either condense something that actually deserves like room to breathe into something really short or if you're actually just trying to pad out content to fill a kind of a longer timeline I think it's important to always look at something and say what can I remove it's like that Coco Chanel like always take one thing off before you leave the house like always ask yourself if everything's like earning its place but actually I think being brave enough like we often when we're watching say documentaries not even just stuff on Instagram but it's it holds across the board we really admire the filmmakers that actually are are brave enough to hold a shot for like 20 seconds (laughs) if it's worth it like if it really earns every second of screen time so I think let your content dictate the form rather than the platform. If something's if something's just the best thing you've ever seen, you're not going to care how long it is. Or sh- but you know, but if it's boring, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel every second. So yeah. let it let it dictate its own length by how how much juice is in the content. <laughs> yeah, that's totally right. And also the diff- I suppose the different thing between TV and and uh, social media videos is they're not generally edited. Mm-hmm. So it is only one shot. And it's interesting what Lady was saying then. You said, oh, you watch documentaries. They hold a shot for 20 seconds. That's a long time in television. And it's a very short Instagram video. You know, it's a very short video. But that's the length of a shot that you'll see on TV. It's very rare you'll get a shot for longer than 20 seconds because it takes quite a lot to sustain that that length of viewer uh, viewing. So um, less is more a lot of the time you don't need to make a long video even if it was three seconds but it did the trick that's enough Mm. you know um and sometimes you want the long video because it builds the suspense you know you're watching it you're watching it it gets you know it builds it builds and then something happens so that's when it works um exactly just you know cut it to the length that the that the action dictates I've always found quite a good barometer is show your video to someone who doesn't really care and see how long it holds their attention for. Like if you can tell they're drifting, then it's probably a bit long and a bit flabby and like could do with just tightening up a bit. Mm. But if they're they're hooked and the beauty of video, like Kev was saying, it's all about storytelling. If you tell a good enough, it's just like, you know, the verbal art of storytelling. You know, there's people in the pub that can just like weave a yarn and draw you in and like half an hour later, you're like, oh I forgot I was even drinking or that I needed to go to the loo if you tell a good enough story people will stay for it Mm. but if you're you know if you're telling a story that's just kind of padded out to pass the time then Mm. they might go back to the bar (laughs) yeah and there are tricks you can use to pad out time if you I mean like you were saying if you some people might want to make a longer video and if you want to make have more screen time for whatever reason you just want to occupy more screen time um there are things that you can do to make that more interesting to the viewer. If the camera is static and the subject is static and you hold it, you've probably got about five seconds before somebody's going to get bored. I mean, that's as long as you'll ever use. But if the camera is moving and and all the subject is moving, you can hold that for a lot longer and it becomes much more interesting. So if you started with a very wide shot and it was on a stabilizer, 
or we'd use a tracking TV or whatever you were using or a stabilizer or, or as more use more useful for um, cat photography. And it starts wide and it goes in and the camera moves around and then it starts to come into a close up and then it moves around and it catches the light behind the cat's face. It's probably a 25 second to 30 second shot there if you did it right. And it would be really interesting and people keep watching it. Mm. But if that was a static shot, it would never work. People would be bored and go, I'm not sure why I'm watching that. So if you want to occupy more, more screen time and keep people interested, you can do things like move the camera. And that that just is when something's moving, um, people will pay attention to it just because it's just you know, human instinct. So you've touched on something which a lot of people in our community can relate to and myself especially that a lot of time when we're cat exploring, you know, most, you know, if we're hiking, for example, or you're walking, we're taking a video of our cat from behind. Mm. <laughs> so it gets repetitive after a while and it doesn't it's like you said it's not an interesting story that will hold people's attention so you mentioned about how you could move that camera to make it a more interesting shot did you have any other sort of tips that people can use to make the video interesting yeah i think you like you were saying the following shot when you're walking your cat is it's you see it all the time and we do it yeah. a lot because it's usually the cat's dictating where you're going it's leading, you're following, and then you've got a camera in your hand. You haven't got much choice, really, yeah. because to get ahead of the cat is not only impossible because you distract the cat and you're not quite sure where, where they're going. So what you could, what you really need is more than one person. Filming is usually done by groups of people because you need more people. Photography is a real single person, can be one to two people, but you can have more people usually when you're filming. You need somebody to be walking the cat usually and then somebody to be operating the camera and if you want to if you want to have an action in a certain way you probably need somebody to um wrangle your cat as well to sort of you know fluffy toys etc or, or or just to interact with the cat so another subject to to just be there so more people is a good thing by doing that it frees you up from from walking your cat and filming at the same time which is incredibly difficult not to get the following shot so if you've got a second person or a third person, you can have the camera down at the cat's level rather than shooting. Often with the walking shot, you see it from what what we call comfortable operating height in television, which is basically it's a euphemism for being very lazy in that you film it from the place that is most comfortable. And it's often the worst place to shoot it from. And that is because you're stood up walking along and the camera's in your hand. So it always has that same perspective. If you want to make it interesting, get the cat, get the camera down to the cat's level, see it from their point of view. So track behind the cat, just behind or from the side or from the front. Um, and that way you're going to get a much more interesting video. For that, you probably need some sort of stabilizer or a, a camera phone that's got a stabilizer built in. And then you need another per, um, another person as well to get that different angle. I think it's really important that, I mean, it's not always possible to have more than one person and like, I'm really sympathetic to that, but I think that if you're shooting video and you're supposed, yeah, and you're like looking after your cat while you're out cat exploring, like we all know, we like we scan the horizon for dogs, we make sure that nothing's going wrong. I think that and filming are not great bedfellows. I think it's just too much. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely benefit in the team yeah. for, for everyone involved, including your cat. <laughs> I mean, it's always great to have the camera in your pocket anyway, especially because video. Um, phone, you know, phones with uh, movie cameras are now so good. Why not? And then if you stop and there's a little moment, you can film it. 
But if you actually want to get good walking shots and exploring shots, you kind of got to have more people. I think that's that's pretty much it. You can there are things you can use if you want to uh, change that camera position when you are walking your cat and filming yeah. at the same time and get a selfie stick. That's the best thing. Get a selfie stick, mount the camera on the bottom and and have it down low, you know, and do tracking shots from from that low angle. That way you can stick the camera out towards the side as well and get tracking shots from the side at the cat at the cat's height. You know, and you can be low angle looking up. I mean, it's so often we, we were doing it the other day because we were looking at our videos. We do it as well if we're out filming with our cat and, and some 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 of our customers who sent us video you're always looking at the floor and not at the vista. So you could be in like the Rocky mountains and what you're seeing is a woodland floor that could be anywhere. And until you get low and you tilt that camera up, you're not going to see the background. So you've got no idea where you are. So having the camera, hello, sorry, Lola's just joined to join in. Um, <laughs> and gave us a great view. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, you, you got the good morning shot. Um, but yeah, it's you've got to get the camera down low so that you can see the background, so you can see the horizon. But you can't do that when you're shooting down from above. Um, so that's the sort of, yeah. I think the other point that you made earlier, which ties into you know this what you're just saying with the setting and making sure you know trying to set the scene and otherwise it just looks like the a woodland anywhere in the world doesn't really matter is to tell an interesting story so to have shots that would tell a story and give people a reason to be on that journey of watching the video yeah i get yeah and also i mean with we were talking about earlier with social media you don't you very rarely edit the shots. They're just single shots. So that's really difficult. It's a very difficult medium to progress a story very far. And if you really want to tell the story, you have to edit, just like you do with a film. You don't see in TV or film a shot that lasts longer than 20 seconds. And you normally bolt it with another shot that continues you on to the next thing. That's what keeps your interest. A lot of the time, editing video is to keep the viewer's interest. Because you've seen that for so long, you get a little bored, you want to move on, you want to progress, you want to get into the character or you want to see something from a different angle. So if you want to tell the story uh, of a journey, compress that whole day's walk into 25 seconds, but use five shots and get yourself right from the bottom of the hike right to the peak. You know, and that's that's going to be interesting, that development, that's going to be a, a complete story. Just one walking shot halfway through the hike isn't going to do it. So editing isn't a bad thing. You know, if you can get a, a series of shots that you can cut together, it's going to it's going to make the film much more watchable. Now, you mentioned some of the techniques we could use to make um, our videos more interesting in terms of the shots. What happens and what would you do when you finally got the cat in the frame? You got, you know, you're setting up the shot. You got the awkward angle going. You're squatting low or you got the camera ready to go and then the cat sprints out of the frame do you have any suggestions of how you can keep that camera uh, the cat in the shot uh, all right that was Lola. <laughs> she's furious that we're ignoring her so my keys on the mantelpiece just threw them off <laughs> threw them across the room <laughs> thanks Lola. Yeah. yeah and is shouting a lot as well so sorry about it sorry if she chips in um yeah keeping your cat in the frame is uh move the camera because uh, this, this is again another thing that's very different from stills you don't generally move the camera in stills you you have it there and then it's click and you take that shot with video you can move your camera and you're still filming the the viewer can still see what you're seeing so as the the 
as your cat moves out the frame left and right up or down just flow with it just go you have to be relaxed and really loose when you're filming it's not a lot of the time in photography people are quite tense and trying to keep the camera still for camera shake and it's all very composed and it's like and you're, you're quite sort of set with video um when you're filming handheld with just like holding the camera in your hand rather than having it on a tripod or some sort of stabilizer um you can just be as free and easy as you like. You can just move the camera left and right, up and down. And as long as the subject is within that frame, people keep watching. Mm. So if the cat moves, move with it. Mm. You know, and even if you lag behind slightly, that's okay because you are observing. So you know, sometimes it works. The other thing is use wider lenses and closer. So if you want to fill the frame with your cat, have a wider lens but come closer to your cat. So that if it moves, it's easier to pan the camera just a few degrees and you'll catch the camera move, uh, catch the cat moving. Um, if you're on a tight lens, it's really difficult to move the camera. And you um, see hand shake as well. Yeah, you see the camera shaking. And also it's it's difficult to land on a frame that's that, that's still, you know, easy on the eye. Um, so using wider lenses closer is, is much, much easier. Mm. Okay, so... Because one of my next questions was going to be how to avoid the handshake. Like, because we've all done it. We've been filming a video and it just gets so shaky that you can't use it. So your suggestion is that if we use a wider angled lens, that yeah. actually makes um, – for those who might not understand what a wider angled lens is, do you mind explaining what that is? Okay. So there's different ways of explaining what a wide angle lens is. Um, it means something with a – shorter focal length which probably also makes no sense to a lot of people <laughs> so effectively if you're buying a lens or looking for a lens you want the smallest the, the smallest number so the smaller number if you're looking on a lens they come in millimeters and they go from whatever millimeter right up to hundreds of millimeters, single digits right up to to hundreds of millimeters you want one at the smaller end so that, that that is a shorter focal length and what it effectively means is the view out of the camera is wider so you can see more it's just a wider angle of view uh, and what that effectively means is that you don't have to move the camera as much to uh to see what's in front of you you're capturing more of it um it means that when you move the camera uh, in your hand with camera shake um you see less of it you just see less horizontal movement. Um, so that's the sort of the best way that I can think of explaining why then. Can you think I of a better way of why then? Like, if you, I think this is only going to appeal to people of like a particular age of which I'm one. But like, you know, as a kid, when you played with your parents' camcorder and you like, you use the servo and you zoom in and out and in and out. So like the wide is like when you're all zoomed out and you can see everything. And the we say tight or long lens is when you're like fully zoomed in. You're just seeing like a tiny little... It's almost like looking down a telescope. You're like just looking at a tiny piece of the view in front of you in in more detail. Yeah. But you get much more shake when you're in that like really zoomed in yeah. tight mode than when you're in the like fully zoomed out wide mode. I think that's a good example, isn't it? Zoomed out is wide angle. Yeah. So yeah, that that kind of says it really. The the other problem that you've got is that a lot of a lot of cameras um, aren't particularly good at handheld. It depends what type of camera you've got. Some of the um, phone cameras uh, were particularly prone to camera shake. 
just because of the way the image scans it's a technical thing that um it scans at so many frames and it has a thing called uh, basically it just shakes it just wobbles uh and so they're really prone to it and it's just unfortunate that some cameras are like that um not so much the professional ones they all work at the same in the same sort of technical way but some um phone cameras uh, tend to be a bit shaky the new ones that are coming out have stabilizers built into them they're brilliant you get really good results from those so if you can get a, a camera that has a built-in stabilizer then you're going to be you know it's going to make your life a whole lot easier it means you can use tighter lenses that way as well tighter meaning zoomed, zoomed in, in <laughs> or telephoto which means you can have a tighter lens and move that around you can pan it left and right which means you can be further away from your cat which is a good thing because like i was saying use wide lenses close in the problem is when you get closer to, to your cat they tend to react to you uh and you they don't like shots of them sniffing the lens yeah exactly because <laughs> you get in their personal space you know you know when you get too close they get a bit spooked or they might want to create some distance so they end up moving away from you so sometimes it's nice to have that distance and be zoomed out and observing them just mm. just you know as you would but um the other thing is not directly handshake but that i i notice is if people are using like a, a dslr and they're used to shooting for stills or for you know like pictures they'll often when they're shooting video use quite a high shutter and then you get not handshake but you, it, you get quite like a juddery look and it's worth making sure you're staying around like a like a 50 kind of shutter rate so that you're getting like more smoothed out um, action. And that that coupled with a stabilized shot is quite forgiving. You, it's like it's more fluid and it doesn't look quite so like juddery. It's interesting you say that because I've experimented with filming on, on my DSLR and I find just the movement of it because it's such a big heavy thing in comparison to a phone that ends up making so much more noise than the cat meowing so you don't even pick up the cat meowing and like while it's really lovely to be able to change the focus and stuff because I use it I can focus it really well it just the sound and the movement of it and it's so shaky it just never really turns out the way I want it to yeah I totally I I feel the same actually about DSLRs they're great but unless you've got a I mean there are some really small lightweight ones like um there's the like Sony a7 that are just like teeny tiny and like you can fling them around but like I've got um like a, a Canon 5D and 7D and if you put a big lens on that like it's a brick and you can't move it I mean Kev's gonna laugh at me because the cameras he uses in is worth like literally 20 times bigger and he does fling them around but um I think you, like weight is important in terms of your ability and you know especially if you're talking about getting it on the ground by your cat and wanting to be able to like have that freedom of motion I just find I get restrained <laughs> so it's, it's how you hold it yeah it's <laughs> I know it sounds terrible but it's years and years of practice mm. holding a camera it really matters how you hold the camera and I can't I can't tell you how to hold it you have to just practice and keep holding it in different ways a lot of the times it, if you're taking stills the way that a DSLR is built is for you holding it with two hands one finger on the shutter at the top and you've kind of got it in held left and right on the camera body and the lens is coming out the front when you shoot video you're always you're always wanting to move the focus so your hand is on the lens so 
basically the way that I always shoot is I hold the camera body at the back. You don't need to touch the camera body when you're shooting video. You, there's nothing you need to change particularly. Once you've set all your you stop and you set your shutter and all that sort of stuff, it's done. It's all about the lens. So your hands need to be around the lens. So you will want to use the zoom maybe a little bit and you want to use the focus all the time. And the center of balance in a camera with a longer lens, when I say longer lens, a heavier lens on the front of the, the camera, um, you want to put your hand halfway between it so it's balanced nicely so that it tips front and back very well. If you hold the camera body with a big lens on the front of it, you're fighting it because it wants to tip forward. It doesn't take long before your wrists start to start to feel it and you start to shake very, mm. very slightly. Even if you can't see it yourself, you just get the tremor. So you've got to cut the lens with your hand uh, and, and then it's about moving with the with the subject and the camera at the same time. And you have to sort of get down on your knees and you have to hold it low and you have to sort of crane your head around so you can see the frame. And the other thing is having a viewfinder that you can see because you often have to put the camera with a stills camera. You usually look through the, through the viewfinder or your your head is behind the, the screen at the back. But with video, often you have to move the camera with your hands around away from you um, just by extending your arms. So you need a viewfinder that you can swing out and see. So a little screen on the back that tilts up or tilts down or pivots left and right so that you can see that shot as you're doing it. Um, it's, it's a really different way of operating. Mm. It's totally different to stills. And I think that most people are used to using a DSLR for stills. DSLRs weren't designed to do video. If you look at a movie camera, it doesn't look like a DSLR. It's a long, slim body. The, the Basically, the body of the camera is the same length as the lens, pretty much, and they balance in the middle. And DSLRs are made for shooting stills. So you have to hold them in a different way. Hi, everyone. Hasara jumping in here. When we recorded this episode, Lely and Kevin shared so much great information that we ended up recording a really long episode. And I know it can be a bit of an information overload. So to make it easier for you, we've split the chat in two. And the second half is coming up in the next episode of the Cat Explorer podcast. We'll be chatting more about how to or whether you need to keep your cat in focus while videoing them, how to take videos using the settings on your phone and on your GoPro, how to sort those video files, and all about editing your videos so that they're interesting. And of course, how to make an interesting video in the first place. But till then, we would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Or we'd love to see how you try out the techniques that Lily and Kevin just shared. Just share them to social media, tag us at catexplorer.community and Lily and Kevin at Store. If you'd love to hear more about how to photograph your cat, I recommend listening to episode six of the Cat Explorer podcast when we spoke to Keith from Furry Munchkin's Pet Photography. Keith shared all about how to improve the photos we take of our cats. Just scroll down on your podcasting app and you'll see the episode there. Cat Explorer is a small team and if you love what we do, we would love it if you could support us. If you're in the position to, we would love to invite you to join the Purse Squad. The Purse Squad members get a whole heap of perks from monthly video calls, monthly challenges, handwritten notes, and even an invite to the Purse Squad virtual Christmas party. And you can join for the price of less than a coffee a week. Just go to catexplorer.co forward slash support. Thank you so much for listening today. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy giving your kitty the world. Bye.